argument first this morning in case 22-506, Biden versus Nebraska. General Prelager. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. Yesterday, the U.S. Solicitor General, Elizabeth Prelager, stood before the nine Supreme Court justices. Over the past three years, millions of Americans have struggled to pay rent, utilities, food, and many have been unable to pay their debts. She was arguing that the administration had the authority to forgive $400 billion in student debt. I welcome the court's questions. Prelogger was defending the Biden administration's program in two lawsuits. Those cases argue that Biden overreached his authority when canceling the debt. Now, the question of student debt forgiveness is in the hands of the Supreme Court. How high are the stakes? They're huge. Um, There's uh, tens of millions of people that have applied for the program already. About 16 million people um, have already been approved. Those approvals would move forward once or uh, if, I suppose, the Supreme Court allows the program to stand. And of course, if they don't, all of that work will be for naught and none of this forgiveness will go through. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Wednesday, March 1st. Coming up on the show, does the president have the power to cancel student debt? This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. Last August, Biden made a major announcement. He said he would cancel billions of dollars in student debt. Using the authority Congress granted the Department of Education, we will forgive $10,000 in outstanding federal student loans. So there's more than 40 million Americans who have federal student loans. The vast, vast majority of them would be eligible for some sort of forgiveness under this program. That's White House reporter Andrew Restucia. And he says before Biden was pro-student debt cancellation, the president had some hesitations, going all the way back to the campaign trail. During the Democratic primary, he faced off, let's not forget, against uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, both ardent progressives, and both at the center of their campaigns was this promise to wipe away student debt. They've always argued you can do it with the executive authority. Biden sort of um, was under pressure during the campaign to appeal to younger, more progressive voters. He eventually embraced a partial version of this where he said, "Okay, let's do it through Congress and let's make it only $10,000. One of the first things Biden did when he became president was extend the COVID era freeze on student loan payments. And he later tried to push legislation through Congress. Congress didn't act. It went nowhere um, amid opposition from Republicans and even some some more moderate Democrats. 
Everyone can see the writing on the wall. There's no hope for legislation to pass. And so there's renewed pressure from outside progressive groups and members of the Biden administration itself. And there was this year-long internal debate about what could be done with the president's administrative authority. There was quite a bit of back and forth. The president's advisors were really divided on the issue. And the Education Department, the Justice Department, put their heads together and came up with a legal strategy. That strategy hinged on a 2003 law known as the HEROES Act. The law says, in the event of a national emergency, the executive branch can waive or modify certain student aid programs. And Biden's advisors said the pandemic qualified. President Biden took a little bit of convincing, but came around. Part of the convincing involved showing him data about the you know, major impact that debt has on minorities in particular, and the difficulty that people have, particularly teachers, um, nurses, others, in paying back their student loans. Notably, the president's wife, firstly, Jill Biden, is a longtime teacher, and she was one of the, the sort of internal advocates for this. So he really came around. He, he, it was a real 180 over time. That 180 led to Biden's August announcement. Under his debt cancellation program, Millions of people with federal student loans would be eligible for $10,000 in forgiveness. And those who received Pell Grants could get double that, $20,000. This program was met with serious opposition and eventually lawsuits, including one where six Republican-leaning states sued the administration to block the program. And their argument is essentially that this program is depriving their states of money. So these payments, there are sort of individual state taxes that come out of them, these payments. And then in certain states, there are um, state-affiliated loan servicers that sort of rely on these loans and the servicing of these loans for their own financial ends. So um, essentially, they're not going to get the money that they would be getting when all these loan balances get canceled out. As this case made its way through the courts, Biden's program was temporarily halted. So that's kind of the status quo that we're at now. This whole loan program is frozen. They can't accept any new additional applications. They can't forgive anybody's debt. They haven't forgiven anybody's debt yet. That case is now at the Supreme Court, along with a second case, which is backed by a conservative legal group and is being brought by two individual borrowers. One, the first plaintiff, her name is Myra Brown, and she had student loans that weren't eligible for forgiveness because they were through a private lender. So um, this program only applies to federal student loans and not private student loans. So her argument is, oh, wait, I'm missing out because uh, these loans are from uh, a private entity rather than the federal government. Um, The second plaintiff is a man named Alexander Taylor, and he says that he didn't get the full amount because he didn't receive a Pell Grant. So he said, hey, this isn't fair. Everyone else is getting $20,000 in forgiveness. Why am I only getting ten? So it's a little bit of a, the second case is a little bit more of a, like, this whole thing isn't fair to me. So if, if I'm not getting it, nobody else should either. The two cases, the one from the states and the one from the individual borrowers, had something in common. They both argued that the Biden administration's use of the HEROES Act went too far. You have the plaintiffs in both cases saying they're going way beyond what Congress intended. Waive or modify is the language in the actual underlying uh, legislation or the law. And that doesn't necessarily equal cancel. 
So you can maybe temporarily suspend payments of student loans and interest accrual, which is actually what the Trump administration did. That's how this whole thing started at the beginning of the pandemic. But canceling, that's a little bit different. And it exceeds the sort of, in their view, the authority uh, that Congress gave. And yesterday, Andrew watched as all these tensions played out in the oral arguments made before the Supreme Court. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers. Removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. In front of the Supreme Court yesterday, protesters gathered in support of student debt forgiveness. Hey, hey! Ho, ho! Student debt has got to go! Make some noise! Inside the Supreme Court building, the justices heard the cases and interrogated the arguments for and against the program. So you have this sort of lengthy back and forth between the justices and those individuals that are standing in front of the bench. And oftentimes the justices interject with their own questions right in the middle of the remarks. And there's often a pretty spirited back and forth where you can kind of start to get a little bit of a sense for the first time of how these justices really think about this issue. Uh, General, is this a waiver or is it a modification? It's both a waiver and a modification, Justice Thomas. This appears... One issue that the justices kept bringing up was something called the major questions doctrine. I just have um, a question on the... On the major questions doctrine, and I want to just... This is a legal idea that conservative justices on the court have used. It basically says, if the president wants to create a policy regarding a major question, they need to have explicit authorization from Congress. U.S. Solicitor General Prelogger said Congress gave the administration the authority to cancel the debt through the HEROES Act. And within the first five minutes of the arguments, you heard some deep skepticism from the conservatives on the court of that view. They argued that this is an example of a major question, and it's in their view an obvious example because you're talking about $400 billion in debt cancellation, you know, with one executive action overnight is just wiped away. So in their view, if, if that's not an example of a major question, then what is? And several of the justices brought it up right away, um, and it was a clear indication that, that this issue was on their mind. This issue was at the center of the case being made by the states suing to block the program. Nebraska's Solicitor General James Campbell, who argued the case for the states, said that the Biden administration was overstepping. Never before has the HEROES Act been used to forgive a single loan. In addition, 
And his argument was essentially that the Biden administration went way over their skis and that they're sort of using this national emergency, in this case, the pandemic, to do something that they've always wanted to do from the beginning. And that's sort of a goal of Democrats and that would benefit them politically in the midterm elections. And then, of course, later in the in 2024, and they're using the pandemic as an excuse and pushing their authority way beyond what the law says is permitted. How did the liberal justices respond? The liberal justices on the Supreme Court say basically that the case is pretty straightforward. Um, They think that Congress clearly gave the executive branch authority to cancel student loan debt when they passed the HEROES Act back in 2003. Justice Elena Kagan, in the oral arguments, said essentially, Congress doesn't get much clearer than that. What Congress said is what happens when you have an emergency is the secretary has the power to take care of emergencies. And it has that power by way of waiving or modifying any provision and adding others in lieu of them. She said that they look at congressional statutes that are a lot more vague in court cases all the time, and this is a pretty straightforward one. And also in previous arguments and cases, liberal justices have criticized the major questions doctrine generally. They've said it's ill-defined, and uh, they've accused the conservatives in the court of using it to essentially block proposals they disagree with. And what happened with that second case, the one with the two borrowers who said the program was unfair? So the second case, there was quite a bit of questions from the liberals on the court and a couple of the conservatives about whether or not they had standing to sue, standing to bring this lawsuit. Standing, you know, you have to show that you're significantly harmed in some way to bring a case of this magnitude, or really any case, and not getting money or not getting as much money as somebody else, the liberals argued, is a pretty tenuous argument for standing. And so there was quite a bit of discussion about that. And then beyond that, the same general arguments were in play. Having listened to it, do you have a sense of where the court's leaning? So it's always a difficult business to predict the Supreme Court and what they might do. But in this case, you know, given that the court has a conservative supermajority and several of the conservatives in the court raised pretty pointed questions about the authority that the administration has to cancel this debt. And it certainly seems like at this point they're leaning toward some sort of skeptical ruling. Now, whether that means overturning the program in its entirety or something partial or uh, just an overall rebuke or um, something even more wide ranging, which would be a sort of precedent setting ruling on this major questions doctrine, expanding its role, maybe defining it in a more specific way. We don't quite know what we're going to expect, but we can certainly say that there was deep, deep skepticism from the majority of the justices um, toward this program. What would it mean for Biden politically if the administration loses? If the administration loses, the politics of this are still a little bit TBD. Some political analysts believe that Biden got a boost in the midterms partly because of this program. Now, if it is blocked, there could be a frustration among young people, Democrats, progressives, people with loans. Where that frustration gets directed is a little bit unclear. Is it directed at Biden for, for overpromising, or is it directed at Republicans and the Supreme Court for undoing it? I think that's a little bit to be determined. If the Supreme Court does strike down this plan, what does it mean for the student borrowers? Yeah, so it means that this 
period of uncertainty over whether you're going to have to pay your loans is over. And the answer to that question is, yes, you're going to have to pay them. So it kills any hopes for debt cancellation. For now, if they strike down the program, there will be no sort of short-term hope for people to get their debt wiped away. And so the Supreme Court's decision is going to be monumental for people with student debt. Are there implications beyond these millions of people who have student debt? There are. I mean, so if you are a um, recent college graduate or if you're, you know, a lawyer with a ton of debt that isn't making a ton of money, of course, this is the thing that you're focused on. You know, am am I going to have this my debt wiped away? But for a lot of people in Washington and people who watch closely um, the presidency and the sort of constitutional tension between the judiciary and the executive branch, there's really another issue at play here. And that's, you know, sort of how much power does the president have to make sweeping decisions that affect millions of people? And how aggressive is the Supreme Court going to be in trying to stop presidents from doing that? That's all for today, Wednesday, March 1st. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Gabriel Rubin. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.